we're building this whole thing from nothing. I think that's one of the, the things that's important to keep in mind, especially as we're the types of people who have high expectations of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But literally a year ago, none of this on the West Coast existed. Hey everyone, welcome to the PUL podcast. I call it The Pulp, although Commissioner Bonesaw does not like that name, but I'm going with it. Um, my name is Maddie Fry. I'm the president of the Premier Ultimate League Board, and I'm guest hosting today's podcast because I have the pleasure of interviewing our special guest, Felicia Yang, Commissioner of the Western Ultimate League. Welcome, Felicia. Thanks, Maddie. Great to be here. So, I wanted to just start off just by hearing a little bit more about you um, so the listeners get to know you. You know, a quick bio, how you came to be a commissioner of a professional sports league, um, how you got into Ultimate in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been playing for about 10 years now. I started in college at USC and was not much of a player at all. Um, Got to be more competitive after college playing club in the LA scene, both mixed and in the women's division, and helping out with the AUDL team here, the Aviators. Um, a couple years ago in 2017, there was the first women's showcase put on by the Growlers in San Diego. And I was fortunate to be able to play in that game. And then in 2018, I was hoping the community would build on that, but it, that was the height of the AUDL boycott. and. Yeah anything that the AUDL teams wanted to do wasn't really well received. There was a group of women who didn't want anything to do with the AUDL, even if it was a women, uh, a women's showcase game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was pretty frustrated to see that we weren't making tangible progress despite the boycott and despite the teams being willing to help out. So what I did in 2019 was put together the West Coast Women's Ultimate Showcase Series featuring teams from Seattle, LA, and San Diego. The San Diego team consisted of a lot of women from Arizona, which is relevant now in the WUL. Um, And we were able to put together three showcase games at each SoCal location. And Seattle has been doing their games anyway up in the Northwest against teams like Portland and Vancouver. And that spawned into conversation about what other teams could form and whether we could become a full-on professional league. Um, We had seen what the PUL did last year and we wanted to do either something comparable or to join you all. And the way that things turned out, we have our own equal league and we are both building uh, toward the same goals. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about that because I know I've gotten a lot of questions about the WUL. Okay, first question. Do you have any way of pronouncing the W-L? Wool, W-L, what is your preferred pronunciation? Um, I've just been saying W-U-L. Wool sounds kind of weird and reminds me of sheep, <laughs> which is okay, I guess. But Not W-U-L really. is the, I know it doesn't roll off the tongue super easily, but it's the clearest in my mind. Yes. Um, and But I've heard it referred to in other ways, which is totally fine. And sheep are really fluffy and friendly, so... <laughs> And, and really cute. Yeah. Um, my friend Ashley Brown, former player of mine on Georgia Tech, plays for the Portland Swifts. Um, and she wants it to be pronounced tri-U-L because it's like a W is the two U's and then the second U is the third U. So tri-U-L. 
I, so I, I thought think I, I would ask you about that too. <laughs> you know what? Whatever sticks, whatever will make people talk about us and awesome. make us uh, interesting. <laughs> Roll off the tongue. Yeah. Awesome. So I thought it would be fun for our listeners to talk a little bit about that process earlier last year um, of having some of the West Coast teams apply for the PUL. Um, Because I've gotten a lot of questions about that. How did that go down? You know, a lot of a lot of misinformation is out there as well. Um, So I just wanted to bring that up and just kind of hear from you. How was that process from your perspective? Yeah, um, from my perspective, I loved the way the PUL application was set up. And at that point, we really had no idea what the West was going to look like, right? right? We knew that Seattle, LA, San Diego, and Arizona early on wanted to have teams, but we didn't know who else was going to be able to put something together. Um, and that kind of determined how we were going to be able to move forward. And what I loved about the, AU, uh, the PUL application process is it forced the teams to think through what it would take to put together a team and to be yeah. a part of a professional league. And I, I appreciate how intentional that was on the PUL's part, um, forcing our teams to go through that and see who who would be able to make it happen. Awesome. And at the same time, we were actively reaching out to leaders in various communities to say, hey, this is happening. We would love for you to be a part of it. We would love for you to build something, even completely from scratch. We'll help you however we can. And we ended up all getting together talking through what was going to work best for each of our new teams and then applying to the PUL all together. So that's something that wasn't really, uh, I think intended by the PUL, but we did it anyway, (laughs) 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 which I mean, it, it's kind of the way things had to be on the West coast, particularly because of how expensive travel is. So we decided we pretty much had to play other West Coast teams. And that's what was going to make it feasible and sustainable to have a season. Yeah, totally. So who were those teams that kind of banded together and applied as a block? Um, our, it's the seven teams that we have now in the WUL. So starting from the North, um, we have Seattle, we have Portland. So Seattle Cascades, Portland Swifts, San Francisco Falcons, LA Astra, San Diego Superbloom, Arizona Sidewinders and the Utah Wild. Awesome. And just so the listeners know, I am aware of this information. This was for you all to hear. Um, and then of those seven, were there any kind of you know, last minute entries, wild cards, yeah. folks that were like, whoa, didn't even know this team came up out of nowhere? <laughs> um, Portland was in the conversation early but kind of dropped off for a little bit. But for a while, we weren't sure if Portland was going to be able to happen at all. Mm. The other team that I'd like to bring some attention to is Utah. Mm. Utah was kind of a latecomer, and that's because we reached out to them pretty late in the process. And Utah is an up-and-coming ultimate seed. I don't know how many people know this, but their club team, Elevate, had a breakout season last year. Their women's team, Spiral Jetty, has been showing up to these top tournaments, beating top teams, like they are, they're up and coming. And so I was super excited to reach out to this new, this new location, this new community and see what they were going to be able to do. Yeah. And what's so cool about what the Utah team put together 
is they're effectively a Mountain West all-star team. They have yep. players from Colorado and Montana yep. and Idaho and Utah, and they've made made it work. And they've put together this roster of amazing players who are all so bought in, which is amazing to see, even knowing that they were the last team we reached out to. So awesome. I know another former player of mine from Georgia Tech, Amy, um, lives in Montana and she flew to Utah for tryouts. Just it, there was it was just wild. There was so much um, <laughs> excitement. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, <laughs> so things about tryouts, though, we we had players come in from all around the state, from yeah. other states, coming and saying, "Hey, I love that this is happening. I yeah. want to have this opportunity. I want to make it happen," which is just so reassuring and heartwarming yeah um, after all of the work we've done to to get the league where it is now oh totally I mean there's just such demand for this there's such interest like so Atlanta Soul had fewer tryouts this year I think we had 80 and we had 100 last year but we had nine states represented at tryouts wow that's amazing amazing. we had about 100 show up to LA tryouts over the course of two weekends. Yeah. So then you applied to the PUL. What was the response? The response was, hey, we were not expecting to get a whole group response like this. Um, It's amazing. We need some time to think about it. Totally understandable. We kind of, I don't know, broke the mold, but that's what we've been doing anyway. Totally. (laughs) Um, And so there was some back and forth, all very collaborative all very transparent and communicative about each side's concerns and each side's priorities. And that's the thing I appreciate most and I think has really built the foundation between these two leagues. Yeah. So there was some back and forth about what each side would need. And then it became pretty clear that there was not a real way for all seven of our Western teams to join the PUL at once. So we decided pretty mutually, I think, to stay separate um, for the beginning of our league and to see what the future holds and for now to operate separately with similar goals and and just make it happen. Yeah, awesome. That's, I thought it was such a cool process and thanks for the nod toward transparency. I think it was really great that we just kind of came to the table and we're like, all right, this is what's going on with us. This is what's going on with you. Let's figure this out. And throughout that process, so as a, I was a member of the expansion committee for, of the PUL, which is why I was really involved in this process. And when we got your like block of applications, it was like, whoa, this is interesting because mm-hmm. we had not, you know, not expected that. It's like you put out a call for your job descriptions and you get like a seven in one, you know, <laughs> application. And it's like, well, that would be amazing. And okay, how should we do this? Because the PUL board had already decided not to expand by more than 50%. Um, and so in 2019, we had eight teams. And so we were looking at a maximum of 12 teams. And that was even a stretch for some board members who were like, ooh, even adding four teams feels like a lot, which I was one of those board members. Um, And so we knew that we were adding a maximum of four teams. Then we got seven applications from the West Coast and six other applications. Um, 
so we had 13 applications walk, walking through that whole process. And we're still kind of like, but the West Coast, how can we make this happen? So we got tons of back and forth about an expansion model, an affiliate model. I think there was another model at some point. We had like two or three different models we were working through. And finally, from my perspective, like where we landed is perfect, which is like, okay, for geographic reasons, for financial reasons, it doesn't really make sense for like only one or two teams from the West Coast to join the PUL this year. Let's continue working really closely together, um, continue sort of both going toward our goals of visibility for Women's Ultimate um, and basically having support each other in 2020 and see what happens in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone expected a pandemic though. Heck no, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> so let's talk about that. How? So what are, what, are, what are your current plans for 2020? I know that things change on an almost daily basis. I know they are for PUL too. Um, yeah. And yeah, what you envision happening next. Yeah, um, well, first of all, I wanna say that as this was developing and it was unclear how serious this this outbreak was going to be, mm -hmm. we were trying really hard to to wait until the last possible minute before canceling anything. Yeah. Because we've we started these conversations last July. Yeah. Right. We've been talking about this for six months now. And that I mean that's after the showcase series that we put together the year before. Yep. And so coming off the heels of that, um, most of us playing club season and then putting together this new league having to have our cancel was really heartbreaking like it felt like a huge loss for everyone who had put in all this time and effort even though it doesn't mean it was for nothing right we've built this totally huge foundation we've built this huge following um we've gotten so many people involved and excited about what we're doing and that's worth a ton but it's still pretty devastating to not have the season happen the way we expected to um, where we're standing now is pretty clear where like that that 20 game season isn't going to happen. The hope is that as soon as things are ready to open up and we're able to play again, we're still going to be able to put together some showcase games. Yeah. There are a couple of teams that are super gung-ho about it. Um, and every team is different in where they are organizationally and how they fit within their communities. And that's something that is is really important to take into account when considering each of these different teams in the league. <laughs> and so, so the hope is that once we get a go ahead within the next month or so, we'll have a solid plan on when and where showcase games will be able to happen even in 2020. Awesome. Um, Felicia, I'm wildly gesticulating because Dan from Spin Ultimate just like peered around the corner of my house Whoa. and like peered Hi. in my window and he's like wearing a mask and I was like ah what's happening <laughs> now some quarantine um, life yeah some neckies that I ordered actually oh um, nice yes yes so we're in a really similar spot honestly um having like tried to postpone for as long as possible um having to cancel anything. And then exactly like you said, it's just heartbreaking, just really surreal, actually, like this can't be happening. This cannot be happening. Like, and I, you know, of course the entire world was going through the same thing at the, you know, and on 
whatever that was, Thursday, March 12th, Friday, March 13th, we were all, the entire world was, you know, but still we were all just like, but, but, but our teams right, and but the 2020 right. season, really, this is supposed to be like the big thing, the big deal. Um, right. Yeah. In so. our inaugural season. Totally. <laughs> um, so one of the, the other struggles is understanding where a lot of our sponsors are coming from, yeah. especially endemic to ultimate. A lot of these companies without tournaments and without this league happening are going to struggle. And one of wow. the, one of the things too, is this, these cancellations happened right after each of our fundraisers ended. So in order to, to acknowledge and appreciate the support that we had gotten, the season pass that came with our super fan packs are going to be valid for all of 2021. That's awesome. Um, And those are still in production. There's going to be a delay in shipping and in packaging because they come with all those other cool things like the, the season pass card and the stickers for each team. So rest assured, super fans, you're still going to get all your stuff. You're going to get all the benefits um, from the season pass for next year, but it might be a couple weeks, maybe, <laughs> hopefully, before okay. before we're able to get those out. Okay. I can wait. Tell <laughs> <laughs> um, Are you, I know this is a question that I get asked a lot and I don't know how to answer it, but I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts as far as like, having exhibition games later in the year right now right now my thoughts are that if it's possible we should go full force toward it I think it increases the the visibility and equity and opportunity that we've been trying to build and if we can do it in a way that doesn't inhibit our setup for 2021 I see no reason not to go for it people are excited about this people want to play people want to watch we've sold a couple hundred replica jerseys online even just in the month of April wow that's awesome so super excited about that Um, and a lot of the teams that's another one of the weird things and this is the case with the Olympics also what do you do with the 2020 rosters if no games can happen totally Um, and Olympic trials are a whole different thing yeah and for 2021, it, it's there's no great option if we can't have games in 2020. Do you roll over the same roster and not give anyone else a chance to try out? Doesn't seem right. If yeah. you not give the 2020 roster an opportunity to play, also doesn't seem right. right. So we're, we're stuck on a lot of these and doing the best we can. Um, and one of the things that I think we can still do well, given the opportunity and given that we can find a way to do it safely and with accountability is see through whatever showcase games are possible this year. Yep. We're taking a really similar approach with the BUL. Um, You know, let's say we've flattened the curve. We, you know, we actually see a reduction in cases and um, things are kind of settling probably things aren't going to open up widely until we have a vaccine or a lot better treatment or antibody testing that actually works, which we don't right now, widely available. Um, and contact tracing and wide, widespread testing. 
Georgia has none of those. Um, oh, Georgia. Yeah, so fun. A lot of us don't, but Georgia's kind of special right now. <laughs> Where are you from originally, Felicia? Oh, funny. I'm from Georgia. <laughs> so my parents are in this and my little brother who was a senior this year uh, is doing his not graduation, his not senior year, but he gets to go out and buy groceries for my parents. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Amazing. And that's that's one of the added complications here is things aren't going to open all at once. Right. And each different community, again, is going to have to deal with it at their base and depending on their individual circumstance. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're thinking if any exhibition games would have to be drivable, I don't know that the league would feel comfortable putting anyone on a plane. Probably not this year, honestly, but who knows? We'll see. Um, so drivable exhibition games where folks can just get in cars and be much less exposed, potentially fanless games, you know, just live streaming it and mm -hmm. perhaps, you know, asking for donations for the live stream or trying to create, create some sort of fan engagement over the live stream. Yeah, we've thought about a ton of those ideas or yeah. required distancing in the stand sort mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of things that are hard to plan for right now. Yeah. How are you seeing COVID affect the teams? And I know that from a health perspective, it's been pretty stark as far as certain race, ethnic groups, certain communities are like much more affected. Um, how are you seeing it like just affect the teams in general? I mean, to be frank, most people who play high level ultimate are already pretty privileged. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're working to break down and we're right. working to create opportunities for groups that may not historically have them. Um, that's something both of our leagues are doing. And that's something that I was fortunate to participate in the Color of Ultimate games, um, both in Throwback this year and in Atlanta last summer. And that whole approach and just being aware of those inequities within Ultimate as a whole are really important. And I mean, that's, that's the thing. It feels weird because for most of the people on the teams that I've been playing on, it's, it kind of feels like more of an inconvenience than anything because these people are less directly affected. Yeah. Right? Like I don't, obviously there are, there are families, there are other interactions and things like that, but like a lot of us come from privileged backgrounds and have healthcare and have access to the resources we need to stay yeah. healthy or to be able to stay home right? And have that be a safe environment. And, you know, maybe, maybe have less opportunity to go out and, and expose ourselves. Right. So exactly. it's weird. It, it's kind of surreal seeing what's happening in the world, but also feeling a little bit distanced from it, mm -hmm. which is intentional, but also kind of sheds light on our roles and our positions in society. Yeah, completely. Like I know teams are taking different approaches to it, like with various fundraisers and using platforms and things like that. I think Seoul is going to do a Red Cross fundraiser, um, something like that. And it's been really cool just seeing how, how local people are getting, you know, mm -hmm. like, okay, what's happening here in my backyard? And like, what can I do, you know? obviously from my computer for the most part or from my phone, but like, what are the things that like 
we can do right around us. It's kind of yeah, neat. Absolutely. I know that LA sent out a volunteer form for people who are able to go out and do things for, yeah. for other people in the community. Portland spearheading this split your stack initiative for people who are getting stimulus bailouts, but may or may not critically need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to to redirect those toward other people who may need them more. Yeah. Um, I know Gridlock from the PUL, mm-hmm. Kunsa has done a great job. Um, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Kunsa. Um, Kunsa, great. Um, in doing this um, decarceration mm-hmm. thing. And I know Astra is involved in that. Um, and yeah, it's it's a great way to see how how we can be responsible citizens. Yeah. And... I know at the same time, we're all like just reeling, like someone put it best when they're like, it's not that we're all like working from home during a pandemic, like there's a pandemic and we're all at home trying to work. And it's like, oh yeah, that's why this feels so stressful. It's not like this is like, oh, I'm home in my pajamas on my laptop. You know, it's like, this is really stressful and we're trying to still figure it out. Yeah, and whether or not that's conscious stress, that's something it's it's underlying and the baseline stress level that we're all experiencing is higher than normal. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> it's something like I am a consultant and during my calls with my clients, I've started like either integrating into the call or trying to start every call with just a reminder that we're in a global pandemic and it's stressful. You know, things are happening. Let's because I think as we get into like week six, week seven, people are sort of just back to normal with stuff and mm-hmm. not quite realizing why we're still feeling anxious, like why there's still a really high level of stress. And just just as a reminder, there's this like really scary thing happening in the world right now, you know? Right, yeah, and it's okay to acknowledge that. I'm an engineer and we notoriously don't acknowledge these things. And all of my meetings proceed as normal. Uh, <laughs> as God. like acting like nothing is weird other than right. engineers can't figure out WebEx, which is a whole different thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, can, can you hear me now? Oh, sorry. I, f- I forgot. Uh, I was still muted. Can you see my screen? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but fortunately my manager is very aware of these things and did send out a list of, Hey, make sure you're taking care of yourself and be aware of these mental health things. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, back to WL. Yeah. Um, because I know we at the PUL have been really curious to see what rule set y'all play with. I know last year, West Coast Women's Ultimate did kind of a hybrid between AUDL and USAU. Um, and is that right? Uh, it was closer to all AUDL. It was, okay. Yeah. Yeah, including AUDL sized fields, which that's what I, I remember. personally say was very difficult to play uh, on. Watch those games. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and to to Seattle's credit, they've been playing on that field for a while and clearly have made adjustments and have learned how to play on the bigger field. Um, yeah. But my opinion, my personal opinion, is still that it interrupts offensive flow more, and which is kind of the opposite of what you see in the AUDL, mm-hmm. but like it's it's hard to cover that much space and you have it's such large margins and it's really hard for me personally to to kind of make up the ground with in that misthrow right and you saw that in a lot of our games right 
I think in it would make zone defense very difficult, mm-hmm. but that's why I've been like fascinated just watching the Atlanta hustle over these past couple of years, coached by Miranda Knowles, mm-hmm. who is to my knowledge, the only team in the UDL that uses zone effectively and just watching them actually like figure it out on that big field. And that's impressive. Is that a 53 and a third yard width? Please. If you're, if you're no, thank you. for one of those fronts, <laughs> that's impressive. Right. Yeah, they're pretty fit. Um, yeah. Um, but in terms of the rule set, one of the really fun things we're able to do is play around with it, which is what the yeah. PUL has done too. And I know both of our rules committees have been working together in making sure we're aligned and making sure the product we're putting out is one, consistent for viewers and two, not confusing for fans yeah. watching Women's Pro Ultimate from two different leagues. Right. Um, and I... I don't want to get too into the weeds on the rules that we're, we're looking to play with. But what I do want to say that is that the reason we're doing these is not only to appeal to viewers and not only to make the game more watchable, which yes, is important. But the other part of it is it gives us an opportunity to experiment with the rules that we all kind of hate playing with. <laughs> Right. And the ones that right always it's like this doesn't make sense. Why do we do this? Mm-hmm. For example, like moving after a call, and the the dumb thing that happens where you're like, oh no, you were a foot this way. Please, like okay, well, none of us stopped until six seconds after the call. Right. No one recognized it until three seconds after the call. Right. And we're gonna try to pretend like we know exactly where all fourteen people were, and and try to take the time to reset exactly into that position, mm-hmm. like it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the things that we're trying to play with and seeing how we might be able to experiment to, to make the game more fun to play as right. well as easier to watch. Awesome. So where does self-officiation fit in that for, for the WUL? We're pretty aligned with what the PUL is doing. Okay. So similar idea, use observers, um, and make sure their role is to keep the game flowing, but still maintain the idea of um, spirit and making making your own calls with, yeah. I don't know if dignity is the right word. Respect for the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Any other rules you can tease us with um rule changes let me get back to you on that okay (laughs) (laughs) i no i do think it's awesome that our rules committees are working together and at this stage it's really so exploratory you know we are um learning a lot you know we're working with usau as well and we are sort of a an experimental grounds you know where we can we can take these risks you know we don't have um, as much sort of pressure to kind of keep things the same. And so we can kind of take these risks, we can experiment. I think our fans are more open to that experimentation as well and kind of curious for it and and looking for it. So, um, like we won't have the exact same rule set that we did last year. Like we've already made some changes as well. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Especially those end of quarters. Oh my God. That's something that's so fun. (laughs) in a lot of other sports and that's the the cap rules were always kind of weird right 
Exactly. So, so being able to experiment and see if there's something else that makes more sense or that we like better um, is, is a really great opportunity. Yeah. So what are you thinking? It's probably too early to tell, but you know, I get asked this question a lot. I'm sure you do too. Like, is the WL ever going to merge with the PUL? Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, we get that <laughs> a lot and we got a lot of why aren't you a part of the PUL right now? Mm-hmm. And then you go through the whole story of what we already talked about, um, of it not making logistical sense this year. Um, in my mind, we're doing the exact same thing just on the West Coast, yeah. just in the Western United States. And I do see a world where we would be able to, to combine under one entity and have all of Women's Pro under one league. Um, and it's, it's a matter of understanding how the league structure would work and understanding how to balance the needs of each team and also the overall league direction. Um, well I know our, our boards operate similarly, but, but not exactly the same. And so the further along we get, in our separate leagues, the more difficult it's going to be to come together and operate under one group. Yep. Um, I think it can be done. And I think that the groundwork we've already laid provides provides room for that, right? The communication and this transparency that we've already established is going to pay dividends. And I have a lot of confidence in the leadership of both groups in being able to make the decision that's, that's gonna make most sense for both leagues and to be able to perpetuate both of our goals, whether separately or together. But either way, knowing that we have each other's backs and knowing that we're mutually supportive and we're not the AUDL and the MUL, MLU. Yeah. We're not competing against each other. We are collaborating and working together toward right. a common goal. Well said. I agree. Ditto. Um, and I would be excited at some point. It probably wasn't going to happen this year, although I know we did have one um, fan who was really interested to see it happen, um, to have a PUL, WL um, championship game. Like yeah. crown the winners of the PUL, crown the winners of the WL, and then bring them together and see what happens. That'd be really fun. Yeah, we had even... Yeah kind of brainstormed what a combined championship weekend might look like and make a whole thing of it and have all of the attention of the pro women's world in one spot at the same place, same time. I think it would be awesome. Yeah. And these I think, are things that I think are completely feasible within the next couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, this first sure. year, probably not just because we're, we're building this whole thing from nothing. I think that's one of the, the things that's important to keep in mind especially as we're the types of people who have high expectations of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But literally a year ago, none of this on the West Coast existed. Like (laughs) Seattle had a team that was playing other teams, you know, occasionally as they could, but it was nothing as formal or as organized as what we have now. Last year at this time, I think LA and San Diego had just played their first game. Right. And one year a ago. Month ago, yeah, right. Uh, 13 months ago, then we literally didn't know if those games were going to happen in 2019. And so fast forward, 
you know, we were ready for the full season this year. It's, I'm glad you brought that up because like now people talk about women's pro, you know, it is just a like permanent fixture of ultimate in the ultimate community, but the, the premier ultimate league launched in January of 2019, late January of 2019. And that was one year and three months ago, mm-hmm. March, April, something like that. Yeah. One year and three months ago, that was, you know, yesterday, pretty much. Um, yeah. Unless you consider March, 2020, which felt like 10 years. So <laughs> um, we, can, we can just ignore that one. We can just ignore that. Let's just put that aside. Um, but we really have, done an amazing job I think I'm going to pat us both on the back in our leagues of like institutionalizing women's pro in a very short amount of time and like branding ourselves and pushing it out and saying like we're here to stay I think my messaging Angela and I have talked about since the very beginning of starting Atlanta Soul is like we're just going to try this we really feel the need for it there is a lot of passion and energy and resources here Um, if this exact thing doesn't work out, you know, that's okay because we know something else will replace it. And then if that exact thing doesn't work out, that's okay. But let's, let's start this, let's start this push and, and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a lot of the mindset that the WUL teams have this year. And that was a lot of my personal drive in 2019. Mm -hmm. It was, Hey, I'm unhappy with where things are right now, but if I don't pull, put my full effort into seeing what what I can make happen, then I don't feel like I get to complain about it. If I yeah. don't get to say, wow, it sucks that this, this doesn't exist if I'm not willing to try to build it. And so yeah. here we are uh, a year <laughs> later. And to, to the ultimate community's credit, you all have been so supportive and we've, we clearly have so much support and that goes such a long way. And without that, none of this would be possible, Yeah. right? And for the WUL specifically, for the team reps and the people who stepped up in each of those seven cities to say, yeah, we're gonna take a chance on this. We're gonna try to make this happen. That's an incredible leap to take. And it it took all of those people being willing to put their full effort toward (laughs) this to make it happen. Totally. I wonder if you have these experiences. Sometimes I get on a board call, a PUL board call, and we have 12 teams, two board members on each team, and I think two at-large members. So we have 26 members of our board Uh and upwards of 20 people are on each call. And sometimes I'm just like, wow, all these people want this thing. This is, all these people are working so hard toward this thing, this women's pro. Yeah. You know, and they're just the tip of the iceberg, you know, and then you think about the hundreds of people within each of those communities who are working so hard to make this happen. Absolutely. And it's been amazing to see each of these teams take life in their own way and seeing yeah. how they've grown within their communities and been a part of them. Um, for this, I, I really want to shout out Arizona. They, they're awesome. <laughs> They're so awesome. They're so and awesome. <laughs> they've been so enthusiastic about this from the start. Yeah. Half of the San Diego Wolfpack team last year were players from Arizona that mm-hmm. heard that this was happening, were super excited about it, drove out for all of these games. And as soon as it ended, they were like, we want our own team. We want to make this happen in Arizona. 
there's never been a pro-ultimate presence there. There are very few pro sports teams in Arizona. And one of the most heartwarming things for me in 2019 was seeing a screenshot of a bar full of people oh my God. watching Wolfpack play and seeing all these people in their fan jerseys. And it was so incredible and seeing how much Arizona has really put their full weight behind Sidewinders now. And like their, their jersey sales are out of the water. Their social media is incredible. I don't know if people have been following, but um, they've been having these amazing Instagram stories, these takeovers. The and takeovers. so much about all of their players. Yep. And seeing how involved all of them are and how excited they all are to be a part of this is is really rewarding. It is. This is, let's talk about that because the Arizonas of the world, right? The, the like communities who, yeah, you knew that Ultimate existed there, but maybe you know, they don't have the brute squads and the Molly Browns and the Furies and the riots, you know, and mm-hmm. you're kind of like, Oh, where did this come from? Like, this is a huge part of why we started PUL. And I think it's showing in WUL as well of um, there is this like passion and interest from really amazing and talented players all over the country and all over the world. Mm-hmm. And Women's Pro gives them an opportunity, pro in general, you know, semi-pro, pro gives these players an opportunity to actually participate in this whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And to be yeah. seen and to have footage and to see their own highlights. Yeah. Like there's so little of that right now. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest benefits. Like you see all these highlight reels and it's like, hey, listen, women are doing the same thing. We're making these plays. It's just not being recorded. So let's turn on a camera. Let's get some fans (laughs) in the stands and remind everyone that, that, you know, there one, there are more than just the top four club teams and create that stage for so many other people to play and to be involved and to be seen. Amen. And it also brings up another point or just kind of, there's something that will we'll get to eventually um, as this league grows and as women's pro grows is kind of like, what model are we going to use? Like if you look at other women's professional sports, there's a lot fewer teams in those leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the WNBA, I think has 10 teams. The national um, women's hockey league has five teams, the national, mm-hmm. um, sorry, the pro women's lacrosse league has four teams, um, that are all owned by the league, the hockey league. I think four of the five teams are owned by the league. This was as of last year. Um, fast pitch, I think has six teams or eight teams, you know, so this is, mm-hmm. and that's throughout North America. And so you look at the PUL 12 teams, you'll get the WL seven teams like an eventual merger 19 teams you know and then there's other cities you know there's at least a couple cities i've been talking with in this Mm -hmm. kind of covid phase that are like okay now's the time to get our application in order you know and there's many more cities that are interested so it's like okay what is this model like what does this look like do we continue to expand because we have this like very low barrier to entry kind of model and then at what point you know does it, does it contract or do we stay kind of decentralized because our main focus is around visibility and access? 
Yeah, I don't know. To, what do you think? I mean, it's it's a matter of balancing those things, I think. I think it's really important to maintain a professional image and to make sure that the product we're putting out is the caliber that we deserve for it to be and not to skimp on those things in order to to keep the barrier to entry low. Yeah. I think that's going to be the thing that that really propels professional ultimate in general yeah. is having that professional image, being able to reach outside of the ultimate community, be able to, you know, put on, put on an entertaining show for, for people, even for even people who don't play to be able to understand and watch and enjoy. And I don't know exactly what that's going to take yet, mm-hmm. but I know that big picture, that's what we need to do. Love it. Well, I know we're coming to the top of the hour, but I did have one question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. If you could recruit any ultimate player to play for the Astra, who would you recruit? Oh, man. You can do top three. <laughs> That's more pressure. <laughs> okay. I one I couldn't even do one. So I was like, I can do like three. How about five? <laughs> yeah. Well, the first person that comes to mind is Robin Fennig. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna keep taking throwers from the soul. Don't Thank do you, Megan Reeves. Welcome to LA. I miss her so um, much. <laughs> I'm so bummed I haven't gotten to actually play with her yet. I know. But hopefully soon. Yes. Um Robin She's is a captain, a, right? Yeah, yeah. Megan Reeves is one of Astra's captains this year and has, has shown up to LA and really really dominated and really fit in very well super approachable great leader um yeah and I haven't actually met Robin but she seems to be an incredible leader a power thrower and someone who will change the entire offense and knowing that we have Dina also Mm -hmm. um I mean that's that's a show everyone will watch yeah oh my god all day hmm Maybe we need an all-star exhibition game. Ooh. 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 <laughs> all-stars. Right? That'd be incredible. I don't mm. know if you keep the rosters, but like oh, San Francisco yeah. and Seattle could probably fill an all-star team alone. Easily. <laughs> God, that would be fun. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who, which defensive all-star I'd want to pick up. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I just keep going for soul players. <laughs> um, not sure if she even plays on D-lines, but Aaron Schroeder, those bids are incredible. Um, She's yeah, incredible. That, that fire. That she made bring. the national team this year. Of course she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember seeing that first PUL game in uh, Medellin last year. Mm-hmm. This time, you know, who is this? Oh, that sideline uh, bid that was caught by Nathan. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, we'll just adopt all of the soul. Mm. Right? You know my brain <laughs> is churning. <laughs> Make it happen. Are Make there any last words you have for our listeners? I, don't know, I, just, I just want to say again how much I appreciate the support, both from the fans and from the PUL and you in particular and and to stick with us and this is going to happen 
Totally agree. I'm so sad and also heartbroken that we couldn't do it this year, but it also, I know that the WL, just like the PUL is like really making the most of this time. I mean, this is a year to plan that we didn't, we never had the luxury mm -hmm. of a year to plan, you know, so we're definitely could use it. Um, and I know there's a lot of surprise surprises in the works for next year. So stay tuned. Thank Thanks you. so much, Felicia. It's great to chat with you today. You too. All right. <laughs>